0: Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, hosted by Joe Vinipol and myself, Mark Benke. We're two pop culture nerds dedicated to celebrating our favorite properties and talking to the creative minds and personalities that make them great. You might learn something new about pop culture history or rediscover the recent past. Follow us on social media for weekly pop culture content where we're always dissecting.
1: So, Mark, was there just something about 2012 that really made people produce good video games? Something in the water, perhaps an impending apocalypse that just pushed people to do their best?
0: I think so, man, because even though it was supposed to be the end of the world, I feel like we had a really good time getting there, if it was indeed going to be the last moments of this Earth.
1: I mean, so what what you're telling me is that it was the end, of the end of the world as we know it, and yet we felt fine.
0: I was going to say, I, yeah. I felt pretty good. I mean, I was playing some of my favorite <laughs> games, so it's mm-hmm. funny how we stayed in this year. I don't think it was by design, but mm-hmm. it's time for another retro review. Last time, we visited Far Cry 3, which was in the same year, and we actually happened to mention the game that we're covering tonight, which is Borderlands 2, which, Joe... This mm-hmm. is a core memory for me. I don't know about you.
1: <laughs> I mean, it is. It's definitely a different core memory because this is one where uh, you brought me on to, um, right. to the Borderlands area. I think we actually I'm trying to think if you introduced me to this one before the first one, actually, because you were in the midst of of trying to plant him the game. And then I jumped in. And we used your save file. We could play online together. So I was at like level one, like doing like not able to do a whole lot. And you're like level 40 and you're just destroying everything in my game. And I'm just leveling up like crazy. Um, I think that's, that's, that's that's how we handled me playing this game
0: the early time that we played this game together, you definitely had like the little brother holding the controller, but not really feeling like it was doing anything. (laughs) Even though it was plugged in spiritually, it it didn't feel like it was. And, but that's, what's great about this, these games though. Like that wasn't just Borderlands two. You could do that. Borderlands Mm one, you could also just kind of sidecar it as a lower level and get power leveled like crazy, you know, in in just Mm -hmm. a very short period of time. But Borderlands Two is one of those unique games that absolutely obliterates the original in every possible way I mean and w-
1: one of the ways that I think it really does this because you can look at it a lot of the things are the same where we're looking at how a lot of times we complain about sequels just trying to recapture lightning in a bottle uh because we've got the same classes that are in this game, we've got even very similar characters in this game, the characters from the first game are, like, cinematic characters, so we get to see them here, uh, even though we don't get to play as them. But what I think really sets this game apart from the first is the introduction of Handsome Jack, the antagonist. Because, Mm -hmm. like we've said before, good villains can make a franchise, and that's something that the first game didn't really have. It was chaos in the way of us trying to open the vault. And that chaos is very much still there. That is the planet Pandora. But now on top of that... We have a very handsome face that we want to punch.
0: Isn't it weird, though, how how Borderlands 1 suffers from the same thing that Far Cry 3 does, which mm-hmm. is you have like a, a antagonist that change, you know, partway through. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's nice. It's actually kind of refreshing that Borderlands 2 didn't do that. It was a very strong like entrance for Handsome Jack like you get through the intro of the game and he's already trying to kill you like we're not even yeah. talking the first like 5 minutes of gameplay we're talking like the mm-hmm. opening cinematic you're a fresh brand new group of you know vault hunters who apparently didn't hear about the topic of the first game which is no don't open the vaults which usually contain some kind of alien ancient beasts that just want to devour mm-hmm. you so so just a tip to the kids out there, don't do drugs, don't open vaults. Just just a little no. bit of advice for you.
1: There's no treasure in there, it's just doom. And it's it's great that we do have Handsome Jack to kind of hate through the entire game, because, you know, when he just calls you butt stallion off the get-go. If we were to finish him off, like, halfway through and have to go against someone else... I don't think there's a worse thing that could be done to me that would make me hate the person more. It's like, no, no, no. I killed the guy who called me Butt Stallion. I'm good. I don't need to play this game anymore. Uh, So having him the entire time really does add to the value of this game.
0: See, now, I'm not sure if I just remember this randomly or if this is actual truth or not, but Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure he either ad-libbed the Butt Stallion part where he talks about this you know, crystal horse that he has that he's mm-hmm. trying to name. And then there's also a part where he calls you on the comms in the very beginning where he's literally just eating pretzels or something. And like, you can hear, you can hear the shuffling of the bag and him chewing. And it's like, he, <laughs> he's, he's a bad guy that you obviously need to hate, but at the same time, Damien mm-hmm. Clark, who voices him, um, who, if you, if you don't know who Damien Clark is by name, uh, he's one of my favorite characters from Supernatural, the Rougarou, who, you know, literally feasts on human flesh and becomes this nasty monster. Um, but this this character of, of Handsome Jack, like, yes, bad dude, but also you kind of like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. It's a weird balance. It is. And, I mean, this series
1: would, of course, go on to explore more of Handsome Jack's background with the pre-sequel, and that also, which you won't get too much into, but part of our love and, like, love-hate relationship with Handsome Jack, uh, it expands on that to the point where it does a good job of helping you understand why Handsome Jack does what he does, but it doesn't yeah. give excuses for him or make you, yeah. like, sympathize for him. It's like, no, okay, I get why he's doing this now. Still an <laughs> asshole. But I get why he's doing it.
0: So there's actually a lot of compelling things about this game that were maybe briefly mentioned in 1 that carry over into 2. And I think at the core of Borderlands 2, yes, you have a great villain and Handsome Jack. But you also have this this story about what they build on from 1 where you really just have these warring corporations who are trying to use these foreign planets for their resources and they're all fighting each other, killing each other, mm-hmm. trying to to take advantage. And so this carryover from the first game was really kind of more focused on Dahl and the Atlas corporation. You see like their construction equipment, you meet some of their leaders and their militias that they have, their their private armies that they've constructed. And Hyperion is the corporation that Handsome Jack operates. So he he runs the giant H ship in the sky that you see, right? Like mm-hmm. you can see it everywhere in the game. It's floating up like a billboard. <laughs> and I, I always I always laughed at it because it's like, it's just this giant H floating out there in space. And I'm like, there's no way that that's aerodynamic, but whatever. No. It's, you know, mm-hmm. brand recognition, it's like the, OK?
1: It's like the Teen Titans headquarters. Like, really? We can't find the Teen Titans? It's a giant T on an island. There's this big old H <laughs> sitting up there in the sky.
0: He's handsome. Think of all the things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to say though, before we even get into like the gameplay and stuff, I have to mention that the first game, even though it did have some like plot issues, the core game itself and the ability to randomly generate millions upon millions of pieces of weaponry and and just loot in general, mm-hmm. obviously that concept worked, and a lot of people yes. when they you know when they first played it they found that out like there's a good balance of a really cool first person shooter slash RPG element going on here, where you can actually customize a character, but from one to two, they ended up getting like $35 million to build the sequel. And it's because of how solid just that formula was. So you really get to see it in the, Mm -hmm. in just the style, the look, the feel, I mean, the talent that's involved in this game. I mean, what, yeah. what did you think? Just like first first well, impressions as you as you drop into the ice.
1: One thing that I really appreciated this, with this game is that it had the concept of you know if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, there, like a lot of games will like like I, I've griped about how going from Assassin's Creed three to Unity and like the combat system in my opinion took a huge nosedive going from one to the other. This thing, this game was like, hey, the combat worked just fine in the first game we're going to leave that be. <laughs> so yeah. like it felt like you were basically in the same car but on a new road with this game because it handled the way you wanted it to um there were no real like surprises in that that um suddenly like hey we've we've, we've changed how you reload, we've changed how you do anything. Uh that all worked the same. And again, keeping the classes basically the same um, and making sure the Gunzerker was still there for me and the name Gunzerker still there, which is, you know, just just a brilliant, brilliant name as it is.
0: Mm -hmm. I think what you're getting to is the fact that Gunzerker has a skill called Sexual Tyrannosaurus and everybody wanted to get to that skill. Like, to hell with the rest Mm -hmm. of the character. Mm -hmm. I just want to know what Sexual Tyrannosaurus is all about.
1: (laughs) And I also need to know if I need to purchase chewing tobacco and able to actually be the sexual Tyrannosaurus, but thankfully, not the case. I don't have to worry about getting mouth cancer. So, but yeah, great, great predator reference with sexual Tyrannosaurus in the gun circuit. Yes. Um, yes. And again, like, it's, it's basically like the equivalent of like a tank. You just get two big yeah, old guns, yeah. you got a little more health, and you just go, you know, go ham at it. Um, yeah. But... Like, the classes worked very similar, because um, I'm trying to think, maybe the Siren had different abilities from the first one, because I think that's part of the lore, is that the Sirens are, like, a rare race, and, like, their abilities are slightly different from each other. So I think that was a little different, um, although, actually, no, I take that back. So wasn't the Soldier class a little bit different? Because I thought I remember you saying you actually liked the Soldier class from the first game a little more than the second.
0: No, actually, what I was trying to do was to try to figure out because the soldier class in the first one is your standard DPS dude. Mm-hmm. He's not a, he's not going to have like the the extravagant like theatrical skills, right? Like he throws out this little turret that forms like a a barrier in front of you and just helps you know fire things. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: when when I came to two, I was like, I really loved the soldier. That was my favorite class, and I wanted to get the equivalent, which was the commando, and this one. Uh, And Mm -hmm. to your point, like the, the differences are, are not like stark, but there's, there's little details about these, these characters that, um, still provide some familiarity, but you are getting some cool things. And that's what I loved about the commando class is that he has a turret that you can actually throw on different surfaces and you can actually be pretty tactical with how you want to play the game. Like if I don't want to go just like rushing into a room, I'll just, like, throw my little sticky turret out and then kind of wait, see what happens, and then go in there and just start, you know, wrecking shit. So mm-hmm. I I really think that's one of the strongest things about the Borderlands series, but particularly with two. And I really enjoyed playing through the skill trees of every, like, main vault hunter. Because I went through and I, I played every one of them, but the Commando is is definitely my my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, uh, <laughs> which sucks. does lead us to one of the things that we we really do like about this game, and that in a in a odd way or kind of a sick way you could think of it is the hyper violence of the game. It's just Oof. so easy to mow down the the crazies of Pandora and the uh the you know irradiated wildlife of the planet uh yeah. to the point where it just becomes insanely fun to do so, but other than that. I think some of the greatest things that this game has is definitely the humor going into it. Um, yeah. because like, I can think of like, I know initially, I think we talked about before over how maybe you were turned off initially to the first game because of like clap trap being annoying. But in the second game, you've kind of gotten used to clap trap and you're yeah. meeting him again, even though, you know, it's not the him from the first game. Cause there's, there's a ton of clap traps out there. Um, and he's got this like, like, Beaming optimistic kind of up cheering voice, but he reminds you that he 's a robot, um, but he has feelings, but the voice is programmed so even though he sounds really happy, he is quite depressed um, <laughs> yes. so getting these like little bits of humor throughout the game just make it that much more fun to play
0: it's It's an interesting concept because Pandora is very similar to how Australia was a former prison colony and a very similar type of thing kind of happens with the the planet where obviously you need laborers and people to run the machinery that these companies are using to mine into the planet. And as some of these corporations are vying for power and some leave and some stay, well, the people that are left there that were working for them, what do they do when they have no one else to work for? Mm-hmm. They start eating each other. They start going nuts. They start killing each other. But The important thing here in two that's really different from one, as these companies are mining into Pandora and trying to access the vaults, they find this little thing called iridium, which isn't really so much used in the first game. But in the second, it's like they they figured out how to refine it and they figured out how to actually turn it into things. Mm -hmm. And now that's seeping into nature. I mean, it's, it's like a... You know, it's like a cautionary tale from what happens with just oil mm-hmm. in general, right? It's the same type of thing, except these creatures are becoming super powered and yeah. disgusting stuff you don't want to fuck with. <laughs> so it, it's,
1: it's all bad. And at least like Iridium, I am glad that the production team thought of a name, stuck with it, and that the name makes sense to what it does because it's it irradiates things they're for iridium and not like, Oh, Hey, it's hard to find. We'll call it unobtainium. Ugh. Still the worst,
0: worst just, names. <laughs> just, <laughs> Dumb. Just, just, just terrible. God damn it. Avatar. <laughs> uh, Come on, but, James you Cameron.
1: Know, You're better than that. God damn it.
0: I, you know, as far as, as Borderlands two goes, like these games do feel pretty linear because, mm-hmm really, I mean, at the core of these games, if you want to just be brutally honest, these are games where you have a lot of ammunition and you fire at things until they stop moving, right? And one was pretty prevalent with that. Like you're, I mean, it practically could have been an on rail shooter in a lot of ways because you have to move a certain way. You have to do a certain thing to get to Mm -hmm. something. Borderlands 2 still kind of has that same formula, but it's a much grander scale. Like it's a much bigger, Bigger space to kind of play within, and I, I think that's something that was was you know far better done than than the first one did, where you've got these you know hidden areas, you've got separate places that you can go explore that require a loading screen, right? But they yeah. they really expand, and the, and it's just a grander set overall, and uh, that that was something I really was quite fond of because as I'm kind of going through, you know me, Joe, I never. Do something the way that the programmers intended. <laughs> so, no, no. Uh, I ended up finding I mean, this, all of these like hidden goodies before I even got through the story.
1: I mean, this yeah. is also why Mark doesn't read books because Mark would go from chapter one and just jump to five because he was in the mood. Yeah. So, like, if you give him a path and a set of directions and say he has to do it, he's going to give you the finger. I was going to say,
0: the Kama Sutra didn't mean for you to just stay within the first 10 pages. Okay. They, they meant for you to get to the back of the book, okay? So I'm, I'm not just going to have sex with my socks on, Joe. Who's, who's meant to do that? Come on.
1: And that's, that's only on Wednesday because those are business socks, Mark. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. But Hi. I, I got to say, the, the weapons in this game, I, I absolutely fell in love with because of the fact that customization went a step further. Whereas in Mm -hmm. the first game, you could, you could adjust certain things, but I I really love the fact that in this one, you could get some pretty crazy looking patterns and really kind of like actually set into your character a bit more because, Mm -hmm. um, they, they have the, uh, the, the, like the changing station. I think it's called like the new you station or something like that. And this, they really, really leaned into this hard, whether it was, you know, different character skins, Uh, different like heads and helmets and uh there's like different themes there's like a minecraft uh, theme that you can actually put on your character (laughs) and all that Mm -hmm. so they really did focus on making this game like as immersive as they could compared to what one had right and whether that's budgetary limitations hardware limitations whatever they really went hard after that and so Mm -hmm. i really appreciated what they did here
1: Yeah, and and maybe that's what they said to themselves when they realized how much bigger the budget was. It's like, you know, if we've got this much more funding, how much more can we really do with this game? As opposed to just putting out the same thing and tweaking a few things here and there. Which I know kind of sounds like I I said that's what I liked about the game, but that was just one aspect of the game, okay? (laughs) There was so much more, like, to this. Like, clearly, again, like, yeah, the combat was about the same, like like weapons felt the same and that was what needed to stay the same, but everything else around that they tweaked and changed and you could really see that they either were able to put more effort in or wanted to put more effort, more effort in this time around.
0: I Well, there, there's a quite a bit of things that I think they put more effort into this time around. And I know we've talked a lot about mechanics of the game. There's, mm-hmm. there's certain functions we'll save for the, the gameplay later, but one thing I do want to mention is that this story is so much better anchored than the first one. And mm-hmm. I don't want to beat, beat it up. I mean, I, I get it. You got you to gotta start somewhere and you got to keep moving on. But this, this game, I, I was actually kind of uh, taken aback by how much the story sucked me in. And there's a reason why I still talk to you about this game uh at random times. There's a reason why the the story arc of Handsome Jack is so compelling because mm-hmm. he really is like a a full-assed bad guy. Like you, yeah. and, and and I have the entirety of his like his character arc behind me now, but I didn't when I played this. So I would say just the core of what happens in this game is is compelling enough, but I do want to call out a couple specific things. And one of them is actually how you have to enlist the help of the Vault Hunters from the first game, as you talked about, because mm-hmm. in the first game, we're just kind of vying for power. We're kind of trying to acquire better weapons and and, and the most powerful shit on Pandora. Yeah. In this game, though, Hyperion has really taken over the entire planet, and so it's actually more of a rebellion than it is... Just like a standard sci-fi romp where we're killing aliens and you know having mm-hmm. sex with different colored people. So it's like it's it's a it's a much different uh attitude that comes into play. And so if you enjoyed the characters from the first game, you get to experience a little bit more of them in this one. That attachment that I had to them, I did not realize just how much it was going to be tested <laughs> until I played this game.
1: Yeah, uh I do remember like playing the second game and be like huh those gen 1 guys they're kind of dicks kind of dicks
0: <laughs> well I, I i mean they are some of them are kind of dickish towards you you're right because mm-hmm. uh, they do kind of feel like pulling you know john wick out of retirement kind of thing but yeah what I'm referring to specifically is how you do kind of recruit these people to help you in this rebellion. And one of them is Mordecai, who is like the hunter class from the first game. And he has Bloodwing, who is his little, you know, trusty, you know, bird companion that he can throw out there and attack things with. Mm-hmm. And yes, this game has been out for over 10 years, but Joe and I do believe in not ruining the best stuff. The. Th- what happens between Mordecai and Bloodwing in this game made me, like, physically upset when it, when it went down. Like, it, it physically made me angry, and I just went, I love this game. It made me <laughs> feel something, mm-hmm. right? And that doesn't happen with first-person shooters, typically. This one managed to pull it off.
1: I was going to say i in the world of first person shooters, most of the time it is definitely the multiplayer that gets the uh that gets all the love, and the story is just kind of there, so it is kind of a it's it's a fun relief that we can see that the story does have a lot of love put into it to make you feel about what's going on with the characters from the past and the present with this video game and of course like obviously like the multiplayer aspect of it is different and that it's not like pvp capture the flag uh that sort of stuff uh yeah. but it's still a fun way to interact with your friends and play through this game uh and that's that's something we can we can touch on more when we get to the to the rating and the ranking here but yeah um there is just a whole lot to love in this game. Whether it is the characters, the storytelling, um or just kind of like it, it 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 the aesthetic is what I want to get to with this too because that's something that they definitely kept from the first game, which um in some series that'll change from time from time to time. Uh like Uncharted is my my benchmark, and you can clearly see how like things got, basic, they were basically the same the first three games, and then after The Last of Us was such a huge success, Uncharted 4 felt like it was the love child of Uncharted and The Last of Us, and we, we changed a bit. But here mm-hmm. we have Borderlands 2, and it has that same kind of fun sense of things because it's cel-shaded. So it's, yeah. it's the same thing that people complained about like when, when The Legend of Zelda went from you know, Majora's Mask to The Wind Waker, and now we're, it seems to be more whimsical. But honestly, I think it's something this game needs, because uh, when we look at like, the actual environment of Pandora and what the people are doing on it, you know, it's kind of like Bratislava. It's good uh, you came in summer, in winter. It can get very depressing. So the cell shading does help with that quite a bit.
0: Which it's, it's hilarious to think because we, we covered the, uh, the Borderlands history in season one of this program. We did go through how the, the actual cell shading and all of this, this stuff that happened was a late term development for the game Mm -hmm. that they completely shifted art direction. They abandoned like 18 months of, of development time to do that. And there's some hurt feelings of course, but the cell shading continues to work well here. And it's, it fits the, the attitude and the the rest of the game because uh, that, that inherent humor, I think kind of lends itself to feel like you're living like a live action comic, but like, yeah, but like Mm -hmm. still off the page kind of feel. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and so I always kind of took that, that feeling with me uh, as the game kind of progressed, you know, but I would say the the thing about this game that really kind of shook me the most was just how many bosses they included yes. in mm-hmm. this game compared to the first one. And, I mean, usually, like, big, bad bosses, they do get their own title cards, and they, they have that stylized, mm-hmm. you know, pop up on the screen and all that.
1: Little entrance, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, but th- this one uh, really kind of takes your breath away. I mean, the... And I know we keep comparing one and two to each other, but two really did ramp it up. And there's a very specific battle that I'm thinking of where you fight a boss called the bunker. <laughs> and I remember the first time I fought the bunker, I was like going, wait, what? Is this like a, is this a building? What am I actually going into here? <laughs> and, and then mm-hmm. you get to it and like, there's like a, like a little lead in and you're climbing up this like, you know, big tall mountainside. You get to the top finally. And then you realize that bunker is actually a massive ship that you have to fight on your own somehow. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, and it it real it it just you you mm-hmm. just sit back and you go, oh my god, this is so grand! Like this is such a huge boss to fight. Mm-hmm. And and I was actually kind of in awe of it that I didn't even realize I was being hit, and I was like, oh, okay, I need to move. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, Mm-hmm. See, so, I mean, God, I had fun getting my ass kicked in this game. I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing when you look at that because those are obviously like storyline bosses, like main like main quest sort of thing. Uh, but even on the side, when you have like the job board and you're doing side quests, there yeah. are just fun bigger, lootier bosses to those side quests than there were in the first game. And a lot of them have really fun references. There's a the Thunderdome reference um in this game there's also a godzilla and mothra mothra uh reference in this game so like you see these things and it's kind of like it gives you a reason to want to do the side quests as opposed to like hey you know what i'm a completionist i do them because i have to do them otherwise i haven't beaten the game and then while you're doing them you're you're getting a chuckle and a laugh and some enjoyment out of it as opposed to just it being something extra to do or being something that you feel like you have to do
0: and the thing is, those some of those bosses, they do spawn randomly, too. Now, mm-hmm. you can still farm them just like you would uh, any other boss in a in a Borderlands game, but they're not always guaranteed to be there. And, and to me, that actually made it even more fun to try and chase them down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a specific one called uh, Donkey Mong. If you remember, the. he's like an oversized bully mong that you can mm-hmm. trigger at certain times. And it's not just fun to find him. It's also fun to farm him for a legendary rocket launcher that he has that fires. I think it's like either three or five missiles compared to just one, but it uses mm-hmm. just one ammo. So it's like, I have a really fun time fighting you, but I also have a really fun time trying to get that rocket launcher because I yeah. fucking want it. So, <laughs>
1: man. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and so uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like we I think we could talk all day about how this game just kind of builds and builds and builds on the first so well, between whether it's lore, it's gameplay uh or really any aspect of it. and I think that's why we made get down into the dirty of this, and it may be time to review the game
0: oh i I think so. I mm-hmm. absolutely do, because for one it's not worth it for us to really get too deep into the story because you don't really need much incentive to feel mm. compelled by this. So I I will say it's an emotional gut punch of a ride compared to, you know, number one. And I do not want to rob anybody of that development mm. because this game, there's the handsome edition. Now there's like multiple re-releases. It's on every generation. Definitely give it a try if you haven't. But Joe, as, as you have mentioned, Let's get into some graphics. What We're going to yeah. use our, our our unit of measurement for this retro review is actually going to be out of a possible five vault keys. So mm-hmm. what do you think, Joe? Let's kick it off.
1: Well, I mean, I already sang some praise to the graphics in this because it is a game that because it's using this cell shading style, like I said, it, it really impacts how you of interpret the story or how you can handle the story and that it helps lighten the load of, you know, some of those gut punches or the relatively dark like setting that you're in. But on top of that, when it is cell shaded, it makes it very, very easy to remaster and have it still look and feel the same and be really crisp. So it's one of those things where it's, by using this type of animation style, it's pretty timeless so i have nothing but good things to say about using cell shading uh, and i'm gonna go five vault keys out of five here
0: holy cow we're coming right out with perfect scores
1: yeah
0: now i i actually agree with this because i thought that the the concept of what they originally did with their original art direction and then going to the cell shade that did create the unique personality and profile for this series so I'm right there with you. Now, when it comes to graphics, one thing I want to point out that's specific to Borderlands that some games from the same generation struggle with a lot is when you do go from cinematic to standard gameplay, Mm -hmm. this game doesn't struggle with a lot of things that even like a Prototype 2 that came out the same year does, right? We're talking about things like shadows and and just collision and, and, and how that stuff looks. So... There are some times where you know maybe like a weapon will look funny, you're up to somebody and like it kinda of pokes through them, whatever. That stuff mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. But when we're just talking normal shadows and how cinematics run, how characters interact with their environment, this game does not struggle there. It, it looks really crisp, as you mentioned, that, that shell the cell shading, the comic book kind of style look, this game doesn't have a whole lot of graphic issues or glitches you don't even really notice any any real slowdown when you have a ton of stuff on screen. So and I know that's a hardware thing, but I'm just just painting a picture here. So I agree with you. I think graphics wise, this is a, a fantastic triumph of a game, uh as big as it is, hits these points routinely. So five out of five for me. Bam. Now mm-hmm. as we get to the gameplay, uh this th- I'm gonna say this. For a game that sold twenty million units, that's already impressive. Mm-hmm. But as recent as twenty twenty, this game still has one million like users. Wow! You know that are mm-hmm. that that are that are coming back and playing it. And you know Gearbox uh, had put a ton of time to this game, but they also kept making a ton of extra content and DLC for it. Mm-hmm. So we, I think there's like five different DLCs. Um, they kept incentivizing us to come back with the golden keys. If you remember the, the switch codes that you would get to come back.
1: Yes.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. so those are like small pieces of, of why the gameplay is so addictive. You know, you can go get a bitchin' brand new weapon out of that chest that
1: Mm -hmm.
0: a lot of people don't have access to. You never know what you're going to get. And then you can go out there and, and, you know, go do a run with it, um, so obviously, I love the gameplay of this because I thought the 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 character builds fantastic. Every one of them is well thought out. They're mm-hmm. a ton of fun, and even if we just negate that for a moment, you've got multiple different modes of this game. Like the the main story, like the original story, pretty easy to get through. You level as you normally would, but then you can do you know game plus, and. I mean, it gets incrementally harder, but man, that I love that challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you do as well, but man, I love the idea of going out there and like, you know what? I did pretty good in that first run. Let's see what the next difficulty's like. And I mean, there's a reason why I spent hundreds of hours <laughs> on this game. <laughs> <laughs> whether it's a side mm-hmm. mission, whether it's you know the, the loot and going after bosses and farming them, there's all kinds of stuff you can do in this game. So for me... Gameplay absolute five out of
1: five, yeah. Um, and going back and and replaying this uh, to just kind of like get in the mood for reviewing it and doing it again. Uh, this is it's I, I I really can't argue that score because looking at things that they did to add on from what you did in the first game. I mean, you've got a few new guns that are fun. You've got new vehicles that that are fun to drive around in and they respond well and. They're they're just fun to be in to the point where like you have the option of fast traveling, but because of the size of the map it's not like insurmountable, like it's going to take you like forever to drive to a spot and hop out and do what you need to do. So mm-hmm. while you can fast travel, it gives you the option of how you want to play the game and you're going to be able to enjoy it either way. Whether you're like, nope, I'm going to get through the story and go from point to point and just fast travel because I've I've been around the map. I can now do this faster and that's how I want to play it. Or it's like, no. I want to like run over shit as I'm driving over, as I'm driving from one place to the next or see what's going on and see what random spawns are out there so you can enjoy it. Uh, I feel like the game responded very well. I don't remember like issues of like me falling through the map at any point during this game or um, having like dropped inputs or making it yeah. or like using a weapon that I, I hated because it felt bad or didn't respond well. Like you just had weapons that were favorites. Because you, you liked like, the DPS or you liked the, effect, the additional effect that they had. But like none of them felt clunky. None of them felt bad. None of them felt like they didn't do what they were supposed to do. So mm-hmm. because of all of that, I'm going to go five vault keys out of five on this.
0: And I even need to add something to that, Joe. Mm-hmm. In, so in the first game, you had your shock, fire, and uh, like caustic, acidic damage, right? Mm-hmm. In this game, they also added that Iridium-based slag you know weapon damage type which actually enhances the amount of damage you do with the other types and yes Mm -hmm. you you could go through your first playthrough never using slag because they do still make it like it's it's a challenge but Mm -hmm. you can get through it on the next playthroughs they absolutely incentivize you to flip between your weapons and flipping between them is also it's not a difficult thing to do Mm -hmm. like they they make it so that weapon flips are really easy the loadouts are easy to use and so yeah i mean i'm not i can't give it bonus points (laughs) but but to that point joe replay value what do you think in here uh this one's high like this is
1: because, like like you said, like you've got New Game Plus, so you can go back, replay the story. Things are just incrementally harder each time you go back and replay it. But the bonus of that is that you can have a friend jump in and help you with it. Mm. Uh, and it's not like... And this is weird, right? I feel slightly hypocritical where like I can complain about Destiny and say, like, oh, not that the story's over, the real game begins, and I'm going to keep grinding the same raids over and over again for different loot and different, um, different stuff and like that makes me hate the game but here it works and it works very well where uh you can replay through the main storyline you can bring your friend along with you and just kind of go to town on it um and it honestly feels just as fun the second time around uh as it did the first time so this is this is a rare case where i'm going to say Uh, replay value is going to be a five out of five vault keys for me in this one.
0: Holy cow. I I think in the, the history of this show, I I think you've only given that, that replay value metric maybe like twice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it it doesn't happen much for you. It's hard for me,
1: especially, uh, when it comes like story-based games, because like, I typically don't want to re like, I'll. Other than Uncharted, which I play every year, like I don't typically go back through and play them again. So it's got to basically for replay value. It's it's, it's, it's like it's fighters or racers uh, that 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 do it for me. So for this game to
0: have that, pretty big. (laughs) I was gonna say, dude, Mm -hmm. not you're not gonna get a lot of disagreement from me on this one Mm -hmm. because. I love playing games on my own. I know I've told you before, like I am a solo master. I love playing by myself on the, on these types of games, but this is one of the few games where I would keep like drop in, drop out multiplayer always on. Didn't care what I was doing. Didn't care if Pandora got harder. If somebody joined me mm-hmm. hop on in because those are some of the most fun experiences. I met random people, you know, I'm a trophy hunter outside of, you know, just enjoying the games. And so, I would meet other people that were hunting for trophies that way. And we'd help each other out. Yeah. There's there also a, a, a time where I had gotten through first playthrough, got through the second one. And I was like, I wouldn't say sunsetting, but I was like, you know, maybe not playing it as much. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I still needed to fight this optional boss called Terramorphus the Invincible just this this mm-hmm. massive tentacled thing that you have to pay iridium to get into to fight and i was like you know what let's do that let's see what this is all about mm-hmm. and that actually added an additional like i can't even think how many hours it added but like you would strategize you would join up with people and i was like you know what these guys are fighting this and winning really easy compared to these mm-hmm. other ones and it led to me connecting with people and going hey What actual equipment loadouts do you have? Because I noticed you did something incredible there. And that's how I actually found out more about the game. Because people were getting these unique items that when you combine them with certain equipment, you become like a one-man army versus like legendary bosses in the game. So for me, I kept finding stuff as I played this game, even after hundreds of hours, almost every week i played it so mm-hmm. for me yeah it's gonna be a five out of five there's yeah. there's no doubt there
1: <laughs> and not to mention like the near like infinite combination of like weapon loadouts you can produce in this game like you can just keep playing it and having different things to use on top of finding different things to do so yeah. again like we not can't give additional keys otherwise you know we we're breaking the scale and we have to make new scales and who wants to make new scales. So just, (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot to keep you coming back here.
0: Uh, Totally, man. Which, which of course brings us to that make or break, Mm -hmm. you know, part of the, the rating scale, which is the music. Now, Borderlands is one of those games, Joe, that I can't name a single track from. Yep. I, I know the vibe of, of the score. I know what they usually try to achieve with it, which fits extremely well with like some of the desert settings and what they're mm-hmm. looking to do. It, so they, they, they've done that stuff. Well, now one of the composers, of course, Joe is one of the favorites of this program, which is Jesper kid. Assassin's Creed yes. fan. this guy, this guy brings it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know what I'm getting with the music in this series, but there's mm-hmm. not like an emotional attachment to it. Yeah. So it gets the point across, it does what it needs to do, but because of that, it's going to get a four out of five from me. Cause it's, it's not bad. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not tear inducing, but yeah. it's, it's good. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and this is, uh, pff, pretty much the same idea. Like, and I can't, uh, other than like the trailer, uh, for this, like, which uses, um, in the jungle,
0: I believe, um, actually no this is this is short change mm-hmm. hero by the heavy
1: okay cuz that's the thing i i thought it was i thought it was another heavy song i looked up trailers for it. i'm like it's got to be a heavy thing i looked up another trailer and there was one that was in the jungle tonight um no the the lion sleeps tonight not in the jungle the lion sleeps tonight so, both of them yeah. work well for it like it's it's something where like the trailer music works well that they used but like you know we can't use that for like really anything um, because it's not going on when you're playing the game. Otherwise, again, like, Assassin's Creed Revelations would just, like, pff, again, break a scale on that for how well that song worked for uh, its trailer. And Assassin's Creed 3 would kill it because I'm coming home had no business being the cinematic trailer to Assassin's <laughs> Creed three. I actually heard that song pop up on like a random, uh I use YouTube music and like it came yeah. up in, in like in the, in like a shuffle and I'm like, get that thing out of here. I can't listen to that fucking song. Then it's all yeah. because it ruined Assassin's Creed three's trailer for me. Didn't hate the song before, hated it after it was used there. But anyway, um yeah, like the music is there and it never feels out of place but it doesn't feel like it really adds to the game all that much. Um, so I'm going to go a little lower and go with like a 3.5 vault keys, three and a half vault keys for me on the music here.
0: I, I think that's fair. I do. Yeah. I mean, because mm-hmm. so, and, and for folks that haven't played Borderlands before the heavy and Borderlands have a very unique relationship And there's usually always music featured by the heavy in a borderlands game. So I, I, I love the band. Uh, short change hero is one of my favorite songs. I love that. Whenever it comes on, I Mm -hmm. listen to it all the way through, but when we're talking about like original music for a, for a game, like I'm going to, I'm not going to use the endorsed, you know, music. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be thinking about like, what was the original score? You know, what, Mm -hmm. what was the game trying to do with that music? And did it, did it work? And, I think the heavy works no matter where you put them in a Borderlands yeah. game,
1: but mm-hmm. that's not
0: what's playing when you're fighting nah. the warrior at the end, this massive dragon, right? You're not, you're, yeah. not fight, you're not, playing that. So
1: I mean, you're welcome to turn the music all the way down to the option screen and just play the heavy on loop while you're playing. <laughs> and if it works for you, it works for you. But, you know, it's not what the game does, so we can't rate it off of that.
0: Well, we did end up with a pretty damn solid rating, as it should mm-hmm. surprise no one. Uh, but we ended up giving this game a 37.5 possible vault keys out of 40, which brings us to 93.75%. Ooh, look at that. She got an A. Oh, dude, it's, it's not a shock to me mm-hmm. at all. And it ends up bringing this game into the upper echelon of games we've done ratings for. Because mm-hmm. there, there's only two others that get close to this, which would be The Walking Dead by Telltale Games and then A Link to the Past. Those are the only yeah. two we've given... Mm-hmm about the same rating so I mean I'm not shocked at all I think Borderlands is is one of the greatest first person shooters that's come out in the last 15 years mm-hmm. and it's because of the depth the, the amount of things you can do not just in customizing a character but also in the additional content that's there so it's oof, yeah, my, mm-hmm. I'm giving the Italian yeah. hand motions for those watching the video but mm-hmm. the audio version needs to see it <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. So what we're saying is, please go out and play that game. But until then, we would like to thank you for listening to our podcast, uh, as we are always, always thankful for everything and all, everything and all the support the Dissection crew gives us week after week. Uh, It goes a really long way, and if any of you did make it here by accident because you just saw we were talking about Borderlands today, if you could drop us a review or maybe a like or subscribe so you could keep hearing more about our crazy antics and thoughts on video games and properties of yesteryear, we would really appreciate it.
0: And we also love hearing from you as always, so feel free to message us over at Podcast at gmail.com. We are pretty much always talking about pop culture on all of the social media channels that we have, but we always like to hear commentary from you, too. So we welcome your ideas for future shows and real, really anything else you'd like to discuss, so long as it's tastefully done. And until next time, Vault Hunters, keep on dissecting.